Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today we journey to one of Italy's most beautiful and still undiscovered regions to meet wine producer Marilena Cocci-Grifoni of Tenuta Cocci-Grifoni to learn about wine, food, and life in Le Marche. Welcome, Marilena. It's great to be with you today. Thank you for being my guest. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much for inviting me and all our staff, because I always think in we, never in I. And thank you very much for inviting Tenuta Cocci Grifoni and all uh, its values and uh, projects for the future. Well, I look forward to hearing about this. And uh, I know that your work is so much in your heart, and that's what I really want to discuss today. Now, you're located in the southern part of Le Marche, right down near the border with Abruzzo, not far from the sea at San Benedetto del Tronto, with the beautiful mountains behind us. Tell us about this special corner of Le Marche. What's so special and what should attract people to visit? Well, thank you for this question. Uh, we are located in southern of Marche, uh, in uh, Ascoli Piceno province. Marche is a, very, is a small region where uh, fortunately and unfortunately there is just 5% of a flat that is maybe the shore and we are uh, it's uh, there are just hills and mountain the hills are very interesting because we have uh, the vineyard we have mainly agriculture vocated to viticulture and uh, to olive groves and cereal. It's a very special area because in one hour by car, driving uh, slow from the sea to from east to west, we can meet, we can stay at the beach, we can have uh, a, an aperitif in the in the uh, in the in the in our hills, so in our in our winery, and maybe to spend one night in the mountain at at Monte Monaco, uh, at the feet of Monte Vettore. So we are and we can go back from Sibillini, passing through the hills and getting a dive in in the Adriatic Sea in the afternoon. So it's an exciting area where people can refill the positivity because it's totally wild. It's very it's still green. 
but green for thinking where there, are, there is no impact. The, so the, the agriculture is still natural and we have per 90% low impact agriculture and biology and organic agriculture. And uh, people are very, are very gentle. Uh, people are very smile, but not for uh, because they have uh, a cliche to respect uh, because it comes from our heart. And also, it's uh, uh, not a very expensive area. Everything is very balanced, and it's why. Uh, we are still true and uh, real. Yeah, so I think that's that's my feeling on the times I've visited. It's such a genuine place, and people are so glad to 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 meet, um, curious and friendly. And I love Ascoli Piceno. I think it's one of the most beautiful small towns, uh, small cities in all of Italy, with that magnificent piazza, the Piazza del Popolo. Piazza del Popolo. I always say that is the best square in is the second best square in Italy after San Marco Square in Venice. After San Marco, yes, yes, exactly. And it's a, it's a, a salotto. We say that is a sitting uh, is a sitting room where there is a sofa and uh, and there are only uh, there is a museum under the sky. Yes, it's exactly like that sitting out in that beautiful square, perhaps with a glass of wine or an anisetta. Or anisetta and uh, uh, pairing with oliva scolane. Of course, it's wonderful. Well, we'll talk about the food a little bit later, but that is one of my favorite things from Le Marche, the oliva scolane. Now, Marilena, tell us a little bit about your family story and your wine estate. Well... Uh, my family story starts uh, from uh, between the two worlds. Uh, so we went uh, uh, back to our uh, origins, to our roots, uh, and uh, my family, so Cocci Grifoni uh, Vincenzo, uh, established uh, in, um, in San Savino di Ripatranzone around the beginning of 30. After, uh, after coming back from some years in Philadelphia and, uh, and uh, in the East Coast of America in the mines, they got the enough money for building up a, a reliable, a serious, a better roof to their family. In 1936, uh, my father, uh, Mr. Guido, uh, was born in the house close to the winery because in the farm family, the inauguration of a new house came from a new life. And my father was the new life for, for my grandparents' family. My, my grandfather, Domenico, started by purchasing hectares and hectares around us, and he developed the, 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 the system of sharing, the share, the share cropping system, 
that is called in Italian Mezzadria. And uh, during the Second War, unfortunately, the, the agriculture and all the, the, the business uh, was a little, was stopped. But after the Second War, so in 1946, uh, Nonno Domenico started again uh, buying uh, hectares and hectares. And he built the first 160 hectoliters in, uh, in a task of cement uh, that we have still as roots, as, uh, as a milestone for our origins. Unfortunately, he passed away very young, 1951, and um, um, our father and widow had to quit the gymnasium and to, to care his mom because uh, my grandmother, Nonna Maria, remained alone. And he started uh, the, the, the caring of all these properties because his uh, um, sister was already got married. His brother was in Rome for studying pharmacy, and he had to remain at home as a third son. In 1963, because my father was totally involved in his heart, in his brain, for viticulture. And it's why, in 1963, he wanted to buy his first estate, 23 hectares, and is our main estate that is named as called San Basso Estate. He got married. I am the, the first daughter. And there is a second daughter who was born in 19, me in 1965. I don't know my, my age. And my sister in 1970. Now, the, so we, uh, in 1970, Guido uh, bottled the first Rosso Piceno Superiore in 1969 as vintage. Why in that time? He uh, took the, the possibility, took the, the, the chance to bottle the first Rosso Piceno Superiore because our agricultural ministry in Rome released the DOC Rosso Piceno Superiore in 1968. He registered the, his field, San Giovese and Montepulciano, in the Chamber of Commerce of Ascoli Piceno, and in 1969, got the first Rosso Piceno Superiore crop and he bottled in 1970. It's why our milestone dates are 1933, where more or less my origin family established in San Savino di Ripatranzone, and 1970, when my father, or better, my parents, Diana and Guido, bottled the first Rosso Piceno Superiore. Okay, so it's, a, it's a really part of the history of the wine from, from Le Marche, um, because this is one of the important red wines. Now, there's a particular story linked to your family, and again to your father, who's considered one of the pioneers of 
Italian modern wine uh, viticulture through the discovery of a special grape, the Pecorino. Thank you. In fact, we are so close uh, uh, of a Pecorino story. During the 70s, we had uh, in uh, our viticulture, uh, in our vineyards, uh, we had uh, mostly uh, Trebbiano, Passerina, Malvasia. So we were more focused through uh, red wines uh, in terms of uh, Montepulciano and Sangiovese. We had so weak for white wines. In 1975, everything has an origin. In 1975, the Agricultural Ministry released the DOC Falerio de Colli Ascolani. And they were mentioned several white grape varieties like Trebbiano, like Passerina, like Pecorino, but nobody knew that grape and it was not uh, planted in our local embryography. And for Guido, it became a, a, a trick for him. So why the lower has written this strange grape that has the same name of the cheese, but it's not... Here, it not, uh, we, didn't, we don't find uh, some uh, row at Pecorino. And it's why, as a young man uh, and uh, as a, a very passionate viticultural guy, he wanted to know more about Pecorino. It's why he had several meetings with some friends of him in Ascoli Piceno, and they said that Pecorino definitely was totally relegated in our mountain area that is a bit around six, seven hundred meters above sea level in, uh, on the road from Ascoli Piceno to Rome that is called Salaria. And uh, he went with uh, a, friend, a friend of him in 1982 to Pescara del Tronto, that is a very small, small village of Arquata del Tronto, and unfortunately, it, they, they were, they, it was completely destroyed by the earthquake of 2016-2017. Oh, the recent one. Exactly, and uh, he found in um, he found in uh, in Pescara del in Pescara del Tronto some uh, a small a small uh, vineyard at Prefilossera, and what uh, what they they what did they do in uh, September of 1982? He is a widow Grifoni said. One morning in September 1982, before the harvest, myself and others drove to Arquata del Tronto in Pescara. And all the Pecorino vineyards was reported to exist there. When we arrived at the scene, Mr. Caffini, is, uh, we have met his uh, son, his son, but his son now is uh, more than 75 years old. 
the landowner showed me some vines that were obviously two or three generations old. We didn't take any cuttings that morning, but merely marked them with tape. The following February, so means 1983, I returned to pick up the buds, took them to the farm, so means in San Savino di Ripatranzone, and made the first grafts. My idea, no, Mr. Guido said, was to produce it as a single varietal. I know it was a crazy idea. Everyone said so. My friends always repeated it to me on winter evenings in front of the fire. But I wanted that wine. I knew it was possible and I never doubted. In February 1983, the first grafts were made onto a few rows of vines with different geographical exposure, 20 north, 20 south, 20 east, 20 west. In 1984, 85, 86, the harvested grapes were made into wine in Demijons, a maximum of 5-10 liters per each different geographical exposure. Every subsequent winter-spring, Guido Cocci Grifoni and other friends of him tasted these wines and concluded that the best wine came from north-facing grapes. South-facing grapes produced an unbalanced wine which was not suitable for market. Having verified that this grape variety had great potential, Guido Cocci Grifoni decided to remove one letter and half at Peach Orchard and to commit the rooted the grafted vine to the Vivai Cooperativi Rauschedo and in 1987 he planted the first vineyard at Pecorino that is called from our region Vigna Madre, Mother Vineyard of Pecorino. Sorry, sorry for uh, this long story. No, no, it's a very important story. I wanted to read you what our father said, and we have uh, uh, registered, we have recorded this uh, interview to him before he's passing away. Oh, okay. It's a very important story, and I'm glad that you shared that with us, because now Pecorino is a grape that is being widely planted outside of Le Marche in Abruzzo, and people are seeing the name on labels, but it's important to know where it came from. And it's also important to know that Pecorino in Ofida, in your vineyards, in your area, produces a wine that's very, very special. So, and it's, uh, we had the first, uh, the first vintage at the Pecorino 100% that we have still now under the OCG in 1990. And it was as a table wine, Mark. Why? Because our region, Mark region, didn't have pecorino as a white grape variety in our in the register because there is a register a virtual register of white and red grape varieties 
that are admitted and we can produce IGT and DOC or DOCG. It, nobody knew this grape and we had two bottles under the lowest level of the wine perception from the consumer. So it's a table wine. Just vino da tavola, yeah. It got vino da tavola, correct. And uh, we, uh, we had uh, to work uh, per seven years. In uh, 1997, we, uh, the Pecorino became IGT. Then the career was very fast because in 2001 we got the DOC and 10 years later we got the DOCG. Okay, so really the, the world of wine is, is much richer for this variety that was unknown just 20 years ago and it's thanks to your family. Thank you. So thanks to our father and we have just the, the commitment to manage uh, this, heri- this uh, culture heritage, this uh, values heritage. Yes, this patrimony that came from the Sibelini Mountains. Exactly, because the heritage is not only money, but it, it's more and more difficult to uh, manage the value heritage. Of course. And I know that for you as well, um, sharing your wines, it's also important to share the gastronomic culture of your region, the, the foods of Le Marche that are so delicious and so unique and which pair so well with Rosso Piceno Superiore, with uh, Pecorino from the Ofida Dios. Is it a DOCG now? DOCG now, yes, since the 2011 mark. Uh-huh. Tell us a little bit about the gastronomy of Le Marche, of the southern Le Marche, and of some of the special dishes and foods that I've enjoyed with you in your wonderful tasting room and foods that are very typical that any visitor to your area should make sure that they taste and sample and enjoy. Thank you for reminding <laughs> of the taste of the tasting. We met two years ago, if I remember. Yes, that's right. So for... Uh, we have uh, we have a mixed uh, a mixed cuisine. So we have uh, the fishing uh, culture because we are so close to the Adriatic Sea, and uh, we have uh, chicken, lamb, pork, less uh, for cow, and uh, we uh, for Rosso Piceno Superiore we generally pair with our uh, we are with our uh, chicken with our lamb that come from the Sibillini uh, area from uh, Acqua Santa del Tronto from Arquata del Tronto and uh, we also pair with our vegetables that we always respect the season for us, it's impossible, it's strange, it's crazy to buy now zucchini. And now <laughs> we have only the cauliflower. And uh, so, and then zucchini in, uh, in the summertime. And uh, so, for uh, pecorino, uh, pecorino is, is, a, is a white, uh, is a very powerful uh, white wine that can be paired with the seafood 
with the pasta uh, rich of olive oil, uh, we never think uh, to use uh, butter as condiment. We always think for olive oil. Olive oil is a very important ingredient in our, uh, in our regular eating, uh, daily eating and in our diet. Diet not in, in terms to, uh, to reduce the kilo, but in terms of dial, daily uh, meals. And uh, we, uh, for uh, the, it's uh, typical for my mom to cook uh, the, the rabbit, uh, the, the rabbit browned in pan with uh, olive oil, with olive oil, black olives, uh, and uh, some squirt of white wine. It's a very old recipe that of course the chef has a lot of chefs have revised because it's, it's their job. But my, if I go back to my, to, to, to my reminder, my grandmother, Nonna Maria, and my mother, Diana, that is close to 81, they usually cooked the, this rabbit in that way. Uh, also the oliva scolane, but we mostly now pair oliva scolane with the bollicina with the passerina sparkling wine. Oh, yes. Uh, but we have... And the, the olive ascolani, please explain these to people who haven't had them because they're so delicious. It's very complicated to, <laughs> to explain. So it's a, a very long procedure that start from sorting out the best, uh, the best kind of meat from white, pork and red. They are browned, they are minced. Then they, 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 we had, we had the, the parmigiano and, the, and then we produce small round bowl and we then we roll olive green that has to be have to be tenera scolana is a DOP product from Ascoli Piceno, and then we. So this is a very large green olive, this special special variety of olive. Exactly, but unfortunately, no very uh, generous. So some years we have enough quantity. Some years uh, we have uh, just uh, a few, a few tons. So this year it's a year very, very weak, no generous, because of uh, so it's uh, because uh, we uh, it's normal for the olive harvest. It's uh, more normal than the uh, uh, grape harvest, but uh, this year. Unfortunately, the olive grove had the impact of this so extremely hot summer. Yes. But extremely because we had, without any interruption, for three months, Siroc, like Sicily. Oh, that hot wind that comes from Africa. Exactly. And it has been dangerous. It has been dangerous for the... For the for some for some part of our our farm that have more exposition to south 
and the siroc, the, the, the south wind, uh, dried the leaves. And they, unfortunately, they, they, it has been a conflict between crop, prospective crop, and the leaves. So mother and, and child, if we want to go to the to human being world. To protect the trees, you had to reduce the crop. Exactly. This is the nature. Now, so this special olive, just to be clear to our listeners, it's a large green olive, which this beautiful, delicious, savory meat mixture is stuffed into, and then it's deep fried. Deep fried, correct. Then we fry it, and it belongs at our very typical dish in Ascoli Piceno that is called the fritto ascolano, that comes from Eastern Easter, uh, culture. And it was served as a second meal after the pasta, during the big, the big lunch, big Easter lunch. Here per here, the oliva scolane and the fritto scolane, not included the lamb, the fried lamb, has become an aperitif. And it's why we pair with or spumante, glass of spumante, that has to be definitely brut, no dry or semi-dry, or semi, or, because otherwise the, there is no, uh, the, we uh, disappear the tasty of the, of the fried uh, olives, and, uh, or white wine. That has to be rich, textured, powerful, like pecorino. Okay. Because the pecorino cleans the fat part of a fried uh, the meal. Yes, absolutely delicious. You're making me hungry right now. Madalena, let's, um, we have a little bit of time left. Let's briefly talk about a new development, your relay, your, your expansion of hospitality and of welcoming people to learn about your wines, but also just about life in Le Marche. This is very exciting. Thank you for uh, placing uh, this uh, question, Mark. In these uh, last uh, uh, 10 years uh, after uh, my father's passing away, we have invested uh, a lot uh, in, uh, several, uh, in several assets. Firstly, for uh, uh, getting a very uh, sustainable uh, premises. So we have invested in solar panel. We have in, a two, in 2010, uh, we have invested uh, in, uh, for, we have invested for protecting uh, and for guaranteeing uh, uh, balanced uh, and uh, stable temperature inside the, uh, the, the winery, especially in the oak barrel area. And uh, we have invested uh, for uh, uh, replanting uh, the original uh, uh, the clone in our uh, vineyards for uh, uh, Pecorino, for Passerina, uh, for, uh, we are now for uh, Sangiovese and for Montepulciano. 
we have uh, invested uh, in a very important uh, practices uh, that is uh, to collect uh, the rainwater, and it's why we have uh, three uh, small, uh, we say, uh, lakes, uh, and we collect especially now the rain, and then we reuse for uh, uh, watering when during summertime, like this year, for avoiding that the vines going suffer, they, they can suffer. And uh, we have uh, now a range of 12 wines that are uh, um, that we have uh, divided in two main uh, group, two main uh, range, historical vineyards and estate vineyards. Historical, historical means why uh, crop that come from vineyards that are over 28 years old, like Il Grifone Offida di OCG Rosso, Vigna Messieri Rosso Piceno Superiore, that is a, small, is a single vineyard, is Colle Vecchio Offida di OCG Pecorino, and our last, but is the best, is our favorite in terms of heart, Guido Cocci Grifoni of Fida Pecorino di OCG, that is a small crop from Mother Vineyard. And then we have the estate wines from, that start from Rosso Piceno Superiore San Basso, Rosso Piceno Tara, Pecorino. Tara, Valerio Pecorino Tara, Passerina San Basso, Passerina, Passerina Passito, that is late harvest uh, in November, and the uh, uh, Rosato, the Rosato, uh, di Rosato Tara, and uh, uh, they uh, and Passerina Spumante. To at this important asset, that is the wine business, we have, in, we have been investing since 2015 in a wine tourism. Wine tourism means the possibility to uh, guarantee, to host people that want to enjoy landscape, nature, silence, wines and food. Well, that's very exciting, and I know it's something that uh, is increasingly of interest for for visitors, both Italians, but also for those of us from other countries. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful way to experience a place because we actually gives us a chance to meet people, to taste the real foods. It's not the same as going to restaurants; it's more genuine. And I'm really um, excited to see what you've done. You have a very welcoming uh, winery already. And so I think this is a very exciting development that people can come and stay. Marilena, it's been, it's been wonderful meeting you again, speaking with you, learning about new things, but also about this rich family history and the important things that you and your family have achieved. I'm really looking forward to revisiting you. I think I'm coming to your area in May next year. Thank you very much for being my guest. With my, our great pleasure. 
We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin. everybody. Italian Wine Podcast celebrates its fourth anniversary this year, and we all love the great content they put out every day. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People has become a big part of our day, and the team in Verona needs to feel our love. Producing the show is not easy, folks. Hurting all those hosts, getting the interviews, dropping the clubhouse recordings, not to mention editing all the material. Let's give them a tangible fan hug with a contribution to all their costs. Head to ItalianWinePodcast.com and click Donate to show your love. 